You're listening to Theological Sidebar, where I, your host, will take you through a beautiful discussion of things that are interesting that come from the biblical text and the crazy world around us. Buckle your seatbelt. Here we go. Hit that subscribe button. Check out our YouTube channel. Um, I think that's about it. We'll talk to you later. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Theological Sidebars. Took a little bit of time off. It's okay, but I'm back. So here we are today. We're going to be going through uh, some things that came up in the passage yesterday at church, Matthew chapter 13. And um, really, I think there's going to be a two-parter on this because there's two things that I want to highlight that I uh, had a chance to really kind of hit a little bit, but I, I want to talk a little bit more and think through it. So um, here's the deal. If you've got a chance to, you can go over to uh, Matthew chapter 13 and you look at 24, right? So here's 24. This is the story that Jesus does, which is the parable of uh, the wheat and the weeds. You know, he talks about how um, the the guy goes out, sows seed in the field. People are sleeping. The enemy comes and um, the uh, the weeds are up. And uh, then the servants are like, hey, should we pull it all out? And he says, no, don't do that. He says, uh, we're not going to do that. We'll, uh, we're, um, when you pull up, we might even uproot uh, the wheat with them. And, you know, the idea of this wheat has been uh, thrown in uh, or the weeds have been thrown in to kind of choke out the life, to get around the roots, to just create difficulty for the field. Uh, it says, let both, both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, tie them in bundles, burn them, collect the wheat in my barn. Now, that's the, you know, that's the beginning, right, of the story. That's the, that's the story itself. But Jesus provides the interpretation. And so uh, you skip down a little bit more and you'll see right here, 36. Uh, he, he, when he left, the crowds went into the house and his disciples approached him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Okay, so that, then after that is the interpretation. So this is where I kind of wanted to rest for just a second, right? Right here on this part up there, um, which is, right, the crowds went into the, uh, the after he left the crowds and went into the house his disciples approached him and said explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field so here's the deal up to this point now it seems like what matthew has kind of really highlighting in this text is uh, there is a difference between the crowds there's a difference between the crowds and the disciples and we've talked about that already about the difference that uh, of what, a, what it means to be part of the crowd and what it means to be part of the disciples. Um, but I think you need to see, notice that he, Jesus explains that, that there's a difference, uh, even in how he says he's fulfilling Isaiah. If you go and look at, uh, you know, especially Jesus's, uh, the kind of exchange between the disciples and Jesus in 13, uh, 10 through 17. Um, but I want you to notice one of the things that you see about the disciples, right? So you've got, uh, right here uh, in verse 10, they came and they're asking, why are you speaking to them in parables? So there's that first piece, right? Like they, they want to know why they're speaking. He's speaking to them in parables. And then, uh, you know, and then Jesus dis describes how they have understanding, but nobody else does. Right. Um, and then you'll see here uh, that uh, we get into this part. Um, 
that he left the crowds, went to the house, and his disciples approached him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And that's something I think is interesting to note, right, is because there's a distinction between disciples and crowds here. But one of the things that is a distinguishing feature is that uh, Jesus leaves the crowds, and it's only those who belong to him, right? It's only those who belong to him uh, that, um, that come and ask him to tell him what it all means, right? That, that, that's interesting to note is that the crowds had ample opportunity. They could have followed and, and asked and, and wondered, but there's a distinction between those who belong to him and the crowds, and the crowds go and they leave. You know, it's lunchtime. I don't know if what time of day it was, probably evening, you know, it's it's time to eat. Maybe. You know, maybe it's yeah, I've been sitting here long enough, you know, it's time to move on. But not for the disciples. You know, you notice for them it's like they don't just go back to the room and say, All right, that's great, you did another one, the crowds were here, let's move on. No, there's something different about the disciples. And not just the 12, right? These are the people at the end of chapter 12. He says, you know, these are my mother, my brother, my sisters who do the will of God. That's who we're talking about. These are the people who have followed him. They know him. They spend time with him and they're asking him, explain to us the parable. Because they weren't content with just reading it. Well, like we would read it. But they're not content with just hearing it, right? But I I want you to think about this for you, right? We're not... Are you content, you know, think about your own interaction with the Bible. Are you somebody who just feels like you got to power through it? And I get that. That's a spiritual muscle sometimes you have to work through. And sometimes it might feel like powering through it. But are you, are you content when you're in the middle of, and you're actually doing it? Is it just something that just, I just got to read it and check the box off that I've done it today? You know, or... Are you saying, you know, I I desire to know what this means. I desire to know what this means for me. See, they they weren't content that way with just leaving it alone. They they had to know what it was about. They were curious to know what it was about. And I, I think there's something that needs to be said for us is, are we curious to know what the word of God is all about? Are we curious to know what his words mean? So when we read the words of Jesus, are we content to just hear and walk away? Are we somebody who wants to, to cling to it, to understand it and to do something with it? So one question I think it's interesting to ask is, you know, do we, do we have the attitude in scripture that we should when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, the Bible, right? Look at what Psalm one, it's the introduction to the whole Psalm uh, and, and, some would argue even some of the, uh, not only the introduction to the whole Psalter, the, the book of Psalms, but, but even to the, the writings, right? The whole section of the book of the writings in the Old Testament. Um, and notice what it says. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand on the way, the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. He said his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. Now, that means distru- instruction like that's the Bible, it's not just laws, but he he wants to know what God had said, and then he wants to think about it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season and a leaf that does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. 
Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Now, I think that's an interesting um, thing because in the passage we're talking about two types of people. Um, Jesus interprets it as the sons of the kingdom versus the sons of the evil one. Um, but here, right, this is the big thing, is a distinguishing feature is the fact that those who truly walk with him are going to be people who delight in his words and want to meditate on them, and that's going to anchor you. So the question is for you, uh, do you delight Do you delight in the word of God? You know, is that important to you that, uh, that you hear the word of God? Do you want to hear the word of God? Do, do you want to not just hear it, but are you somebody who wants to understand it? You see, remember, that was one of the distinguishing features, again, too, of the crowds with the people is they don't have understanding, Jesus says, that uh, he tells them that, that they do, that the disciples do, because they, they do see and they do hear, Right? That they are the ones who understand. He even says right at the very beginning, because the secrets of the kingdom, this is verse 11. He says, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you to know, but has not been given to them. Do you have a desire to know more? I think we should. And I think that should extend beyond just the Bible, but it should extend to church. I think maybe a good church practice to start having is... Um, do I think about the passage? And, and I, I think one of the goals of the, of the pastor should be that as we preach, um, that you're not thinking about my stories, you're not thinking about delivery, you're not thinking about dress or anything like that, that, that the goal should be, do, as the text has been expounded, am I reading the text? Am I thinking about that text? Am I interacting with that text? Right now that I've kind of understand it, do I do I understand what God wants me to do with it? See, part of that thing should be I, I shouldn't have to tell you how this should play out in every instance of your life, right? Like you should be looking as you understand the text better. Say, God, help me to take this now. I want to understand it better. I want to understand how this should live in my life. Like, and I think that's something that's wrong with a lot of kind of modern preaching today. And I've heard it said before: people don't need to be told what the Bible says; they need to be told what to do. And I think that's a very low view of what a disciple should be, right? A disciple should be somebody who can uh, take the words, seek the Lord on them, and then understand what that should look like for his own life. Now, I, I also brought up really quickly just another glimpse of something like this uh, from the book of 1 Corinthians. And it's interesting, you know, where. Uh, Paul is writing to the church, and he says, In all churches of the saints, the women should be silent in the churches, for they're not permitted to speak, but they're to submit themselves, as the law also says. Now, this is important, too, because what he's talking about seems to be a little bit different than what some people want to take this as, because we already know that there are people, women that will be prophesying and praying uh, in church. Now, how that works out and what that looks like, uh, you know, we're not sure, but this is something that it seems that, that I think is really interesting that we have to focus on, right? Verse 35, if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home since it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church, right? And that is, I think, an interesting passage because what Paul is saying here is um, 
that they're going to be women who are eager to hear the Bible and they need to get that fed. They need to be fed and to be taught. Who are they supposed to go to? Well, if you're a married woman, you're supposed to go to your husband, which should mean husbands. You should know the Bible. That it should, it's kind of a given already that the husband already knows and should be well enough read or understanding and should have already had that in his heart to be able to help do the Bible study with his wife at home. So do we? Do we love the Bible enough that it's not just for me, but it's enough to say, I am going to do this in my home with my family. I'm going to teach my family. I think it's a good thing to think about. And so what's your, you know, what is your practice with the word of God? Do you listen and walk away? Is Sunday morning a one-time kind of thing for the week and it's gone? Are you trying to find ways to think through it again? Are you rereading the passage? What's your interaction with the word of God past Sunday? Are you attending a Bible study and looking at a passage together? Trying to think on it, meditate on it? Or are we just simply hearing words, doing church? That's not the way to do it. It is to meditate, to think, to have a desire to understand and then live it out. All right, I hope that helps. Uh, guys, we'll see you for another time. I'll probably try to release another one as we talk about the two types of people um, that uh, are in the scriptures. And uh, there's only two types. Who are they? We'll deal with that later. All right, hope this has been helpful. Talk to you later.